about false doctrine, overcoming false doctrine tonight. <clears throat> and our key scripture is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 12. And it says, Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <clears throat> and I'd like to go back a little bit beyond prior to verse 12 and just read a little bit ahead of that for a little context tonight. Um, Starting in verse 5 of Matthew 16, it says, And when the disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have not taken bread, taken no bread? Which when Jesus perceived, he's always, he always knows what we're thinking. It doesn't say that they said anything out loud, but they were thinking among themselves. He knows what we're thinking. He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Do, not yet, do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves and the five thousand, and how many uh, baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves and the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I speak to you, and speak it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? And then it goes on to say, Then understood they how that he bade them not to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And I just felt like the Lord was kind of prompting me to, to take a little bit different tack. And I know Brother Parker was, I mean, I've got, this is my paper, and you can, I like writing notes. And I just covered all the spare paper, white spots on this paper with stuff he was saying that wasn't on this sheet. Because, I mean, it, when God's imparting stuff, I don't want to forget it because I know I forget stuff. So I, I have to write it down and go back and look at it. And re-remind myself so that it, I can kind of commit that thought to memory. You know, what's being said. Because when you're preparing something like this, that's not always what God's going to say when he gets the man of God in front of you. The Spirit starts moving and God's going to say things that aren't on the paper. And so, some awesome stuff here. But I felt like God was kind of prompting me to talk about false doctrine, but maybe in a little bit different tack. Amen. And so, the, a, a doctrine is what? A belief system. Amen? The, the military has a doctrine. They, they have a, an organization. I don't know if it's still called this, but when I was in the military, it was called TRADOC. Training and Doctrination. When I was, when I was in the, the, the religion that I grew up in, we had doctrine classes for those kids that didn't go to the Catholic school. Oops, I said it. If we went to the public school on Sunday, we had to go to our, our CCD classes, our, our Christian Catholic doctrine class, because they wanted to make sure that we had the doctrine or the teaching of that belief system. Everybody has a doctrine about their belief system, whatever that might be. Even satanic people have a doctrine that they espouse and believe and teach to their people. Politicians have a doctrine that they follow, and they espouse that and teach it to their people. So that everybody is on the same page. And so that's basically what a doctrine is, is a belief system. And Jesus was talking about the scribes and the Pharisees 
And so really he was referring back to the Mosaic Law because really that's where it all started. Because before, Mo, before that God came along and chose the people of Israel and made them his people and gave that law to Moses, there was really no, no, no law of God to follow. They were just kind of on their own. And so he, he instituted that with them and with Moses. And so they, he gave them a belief system in him. And he caused them to realize and to know that they had to trust in him. And, and he gave Moses that law. We call it today the Ten Commandments. And then once one uh, variation that I was reading, I was doing some studying on the Ten Commandments, and uh, in one place it said they sometimes call it the Ten Words. Not like it's ten individual words, but it's uh, like a word from the Lord. So, you know, thus saith the word of the Lord, and then the prophet would say would give a prophecy. Well, that's what God was doing, was giving them, here's this word, now here's this word, here's this word, and so they... There's some places that call it the ten words. Amen. And so that law was designed for what reason? If you want to look at it like coloring in a coloring book, it was designed to help Israel stay inside the lines. The boundaries of that God said, if you'll do these things, if you'll serve me and follow these rules and laws, and with the sacrifice, I'll push your sins back every year. If you'll... If you'll walk in a certain way, I'll, I'll bless you. If you'll do these things, and they were simple things, really. They were simple things to do, to follow. It's not really hard to live for God, is it? It isn't. As I, as I heard one person say, it's hard to live easy for God, but it's easy to live hard for God. What does that mean? When you live hard for God, you're giving it everything you got. You're, you're just pouring every bit of yourself that you know how to pour into serving God, and you're giving it your best effort. You're living hard for God. Just like somebody that's a professional football player, they're giving their whole effort to every game that they play. They don't hold back anything. But if you live easy for God, you just kind of skirt around the edges and see, which, can I do this and still make it in? Can I do this and still make it in? You're trying to just see what you can skirt and see what you can kind of get away with. And so that's, that's kind of what Israel's problem became after a while because why? They're, they're flesh. And so they started skirting the law, and that's when they started having problems, wasn't it? And that's really when we start having problems, when we start kind of straying from the doctrine of what we're supposed to believe and how we're supposed to live, all those things that, that Pastor Parker, you know, really, he really expounded well last week. All those things that, that, and all the things on this sheet that, that we're supposed to be doing, each and one of us individually. You know, the Bible says to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Know what this book says and how to live. Amen? Amen. They, when I was in the military, and I hate to keep making that reference, but... They pounded into us, not every single regulation in the book, but the important ones that we needed to know. They pounded it into us where we could just about quote it, right? Frontwards and backwards. The three general orders and all those kind of things. Why? Because once they get that in your, in your mind, you have now have a military mind. They don't even have to think. You don't have to think twice. They don't even have to wonder if, when they tell you to do something if you're going to do it. Because you're going to do it because it's drilled into you. 
Amen? And so God, God gave us this Holy Ghost, amen, to be our school teacher, to lead us to a place, the, the place that each one of us needs to be. And so it's important that we realize that and listen for His Spirit to lead us. Because as I heard one preacher say, God's always talking to us. The question is, is are we listening? Or do we have our minds filled with music or whatever else it is that we're doing? We're kind of, it's not like we're ignoring God, but we're just kind of blocking it out. Maybe volunteer, maybe we're doing it on purpose. Maybe we don't realize we're doing it. Amen. But God's, he is, that still small voice is talking to each one of us because he's no respecter of persons. So he's not going to pick certain people and say, well, I'm going to talk to Sister Linda, but I'm not going to talk to Sister Sue for whatever reason. He's not going to do that. But we've got to be sensitive to that voice. Amen? It's just like the mother that knows that cry of their child in a crowded room. You might be standing there and not have children, and you hear babies crying, and you think, well, that's a bunch of babies crying. But that mom knows who, which one of those crying babies is theirs. They know that cry. They know that certain sound of that baby. And so we need to know that certain sound of the Lord. And so Israel, you know, by and by, what happens? Israel kind of starts veering away from the Mosaic Law. And what happens? God keeps warning them, keeps sending them warnings and saying, I'm going to put you in bondage. I'm going to send the Babylonians to take you and put you in bondage. And they keep saying, okay, okay, okay. And what happens? They go into bondage. Well, while they're in bondage, they're hanging around with a bunch of Babylonians because they went and lived in that country, and the Babylonians didn't believe in God. So they had all kinds of belief systems. They had all kinds of of weird beliefs and things, and, and there was all kinds of other religions, if you want to call it that, that started having an effect on those people. And so what started out as the pure Mosaic law began to be um, tainted, I guess you could say, with other things. And other influences started coming in and tainting the Mosaic Law. And, and, you know, hundreds of years later, if you want to, to fast forward to the time of, uh, time of Jesus and the apostles, what do we have at that point? Something called Judaism. Well, Judaism is not the same thing as the Mosaic Law. It's got parts of the mosaic law involved in it but it's it's mosaic law with a bunch of other stuff added on throughout the centuries of the people of israel because if you look back at solomon he he married all those wives that were not of god and what did they do they and god warned him don't do that why because they brought all their beliefs and all their little gods with them and that started having an effect on on the way that people of God worshiped and then we started saying well we don't need to go to the temple we can just build us a little temple over here we don't need to go to Jerusalem we can just build us a little hut over here and we can just worship over here and then they started having groves and idols and all this stuff and it and and to really to look back at that it's no wonder that this didn't have an effect all the way up to the day the days that Jesus walked upon the earth what was his biggest problem it wasn't sinners. What was his biggest problem? It was the religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees. That was his biggest problem. He was 
trying his hardest, really. And when we read that sometimes, we think he was really getting on their case, like, why is he being so mean to those guys? But really, he was going in the synagogue to try to get them to, he wanted them to have their eyes open, to see who he really was. He loved them. He had compassion for them, too. Amen. But they were so steeped in their traditions. And that, that's kind of where I'm going with this. Um, because what is those traditions but really false doctrines? Because there are things that were added to what God's original law was to, to make it kind of more palatable and easier to deal with. And, you know, we, you know, like I said before, we don't have to travel to Jerusalem. We can just have our own little thing right here which really doesn't apply now. We, ha- we each have our own tabernacle that we build now. But because we're, we are tabernacled with him, right? So we can enter into the, the throne room of God. We can, enter, we can go beyond the veil now, but then they couldn't. And so God didn't tell them to go out and do their own thing. He told them, this is where you're going to go to worship me. You want your sins pushed back. And so that's what happened. And so we got to be careful that we don't, we got to be careful just as they did in that day that we don't let a form of Judaism affect us and the doctrines that we believe. Amen? You know, and that was one of the things that Jesus constantly was harping on with them. And Paul talked about it too, about the traditions of the elders. Galatians 1, chapter 11. Michaela, Galatians 1, chapter 11, going through verse 16. Praise God. It says, but I certify you, brethren, make sure I'm on the right one, yep, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Go through 16. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here's a, and just stop there. Here's a man that was raised as a Pharisee. So he was raised under Gamaliel, the Bible says. So he was a very educated Jew. He knew the Mosaic law. He knew the scrolls and the scriptures. He knew this stuff. And he's telling these people, in, these Galatian people, I didn't get this from my studies back, then, back in the day. I got this from Jesus Christ. For we have heard of my, ye have heard of my conversations in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Now, why did he persecute the church of God? He was what? He didn't like this whole teaching about Jesus Christ, did he? So what could you say about Saul of Tarsus at that time? He was anti-Christ. So the spirit of the anti-Christ was working even then, if you want to look at it that way, in through Saul. And God knew that. And he thought he was doing right. Amen. We have a lot of people today following a lot of doctrines that think they're, they really sincerely believe that they're doing right. How many of us were there at one time? All we knew at that time was that what we knew. And we believed that we were doing right, didn't we? Until somebody turned on the light 
and somebody planted a scripture in our heart and we started to dwell on that and God came in and that thing got watered and, and that thing got, you know, began to grow in us and God turned on the light. How many remember the day that God gave you the revelation of who he was? I could probably take you to the very spot I was sitting when the, when the Bible just jumped off the page at me. I said, wow, I never saw that before. Yeah, the bulb came on. Amen. And so, and it profited in the Jews. He profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Who were his fathers? Well, if you think in terms of the Jews, they, if you read through the, the Old Testament, they kept referring to David as their father. But you're talking ten generations down the line. They're still calling David their father. So they're referring in some, I believe he's referring all the way back. Because they believed Abraham was what? Their father. And so he's saying, I, was, I exceeded. All the smart guys that were Pharisees that were of my religion. I exceeded them in knowledge and zeal in the traditions of my fathers. Next verse. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Amen. I didn't get this from a book. I didn't get this from a scroll. I got this by revelation from God himself. And he was, in, in essence, he was referring back to his experience when he was walking on that road to Damascus. And that bright light came. And, and he fell down and was blind. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he said... Who art thou, Lord? As a Jew, he said, Who art thou, Yahweh, Jehovah? He was a devout Jew. And the answer he got back would have been enough for me. I don't know about you. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And when you're hearing that from, from, some, from out of nowhere, from a bright light, immediately as a Jew, you're going, Okay. In my studying of history of the Jewish people, the only time I ever remember there being a really bright light was when the, the Shekinah glory of God came down in the temple when he accepted the offering. So all this going on in Paul's mind, he's going, wow, this, he is that. He's that. And so Saul was admitting that he was believing some doctrines that although they sounded good, that word traditions, in the Greek, it's, it's the word paradosis. Anybody ever heard, anybody know of a word that sounds like that? Paradosis in our English language? Paradox. And a paradox, the best definition that I can come up with is it's something that sounds really good, sounds really religious, but it's not. There's something wrong with it. It's suspect. But it sounds really good. And that's how I was when I was raised the way that I was raised. What I believed up to that point was, sounded really good. And I was, I was devout about it and I was dogmatic about it until one day. I found out there was more to this than what I thought. 
And there's more to this every day than what we even know now. Amen? We, none of us in this room, none of us at the sound of my voice, have reached the place where we have all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the understanding of who God is and all the things that we need to know and the depth of understanding that we need to know about Him. I mean, I just sometimes feel like a new convert. When I study the Bible, I'm like, wow, I don't even know a, a tenth of what I think I know. Because it's every time I turn around, it's something else that, that God is just... And I'll just, and I'm glad for my iPad because I can go in my Bible and I can copy and paste those scriptures into a Word document on my iPad for later study. And I, I probably have hundreds of those little studies that I've started and I haven't gone back and studied them yet, but it's just stuff that just, I'm like, wow, this stuff's amazing. You know, and, and on my iPad I have this little thing, this, this one Bible version where I can tap a word and it brings up the the concordance definition and I can just study it right there. I don't have to go to another book or go to another app somewhere. It's right there on the page. And it just amazes me sometimes what this book really says. And so I don't know about you, but I want to know that I know that I know that I know that what I believe is really what this book says I'm supposed to believe. Now, Anybody in here ever worked at a bank? Anybody? Michaela has. My mom did for 20 years. My one son worked at the bank. And all these people that I know that worked at these banks, especially my mom, they had to go to training on how to count money. And you're going, really? It's paper. It's coins. How hard is it to go? But it's not just about the counting of the money. It was about finding out what the authentic dollar bills, $50 bills, $10 bills, $5 bills, 20s, 100s, what they really felt like in your hand. Why? And my son told me when he worked for the, the bank that I was working for before I came up here, he said they, they sent him to that training, and then after a couple of days, they inserted some fake ones in there. And they would just have him sit there and count, you know, several hundred dollars worth of 20s or whatever to see if they could catch it. And that's what he said. It was so amazing. But, you know, and you see them in the stores where they'll hold them up to the light and they'll put a little yellow marker across it. But in banking, they don't do that. They know what a real one feels like. And they know what a fake one feels like because they know why. Because what the real one feels like. So if you're going to know, if you're going to be sure about the doctrines and the things that you believe, what's the best way to know? What's not? the doctrine you should believe is know the know the authentic so that you can pick out the the fake one in a heartbeat amen and you know (laughs) and i have a hard time memorizing scripture i don't know what it is about my brain i just do but i i can do it but it takes a lot more effort for me than some people but i know i need to do it why because the more i put in here the more I know in here, the more I, not just reading the Bible, but studying it and making it a part of who I am, the easier it is for me when I hear something that's not real or that's suspect or that maybe it sounds like a duck, it, it quacks like a duck. I don't know if it smells like a duck. And so I run that through the filter of what I've put in me. Okay? And if you, 
like a paper coffee filter. It's a real tight filter, right? You can't see through that, but it is a filter. And so is a colander. So if you don't have very much word in you, you don't have very much in you, it's like a colander. And a lot of stuff will pass right through that. And you'll miss it. Amen. But when you get this th- when you get this in you and it becomes a part of who you are, your your filter becomes like that coffee filter and you'll you know immediately when you hear something, oh, 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 something's not right about that. And you immediately what do you do? You go to the word. But does the word back that up? Does the word follow that? Do, do I need and, and immediately you know. Amen. And it's up to each one of us to seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We have to know. Amen? It's not, I love coming to hear this man of God preach. I love hearing any kind of preaching. But even the preaching that I do listen to on the web and stuff, I listen to it with a grain of salt. Because why? Because men are fallible. And they can say something that they maybe didn't mean to say or that's something that's not exactly right and I'm, in my spirit I'm always checking what I'm listening to because I know I've got in the end I'm going to be the one standing before God answering for where I was how I lived and he, I'm not going to be able to blame anybody she doesn't get to be there to be my spokesman I got to stand before God by myself and what's he going to judge me with My word said, why didn't you do it? My word said, why were you doing that? My word said, my word didn't say that. Why were you doing that? You think he's not going to ask us that question? Or people out there? So, you know, I, I want to know. When I first came to God, I, I, I felt so confused because of my upbringing. And then I had this kind of belief added on to that and add some other kind of thing and i just sat there one day to myself and i looked up and i said god i'm confused and i was i was kind of arrogant and i said you need to unconfuse me <laughs> but i wanted to know i was tired of being confused which way is it should i get baptized this way or should i get baptized this way or or do i need the holy ghost or don't i need the holy ghost i didn't know I just needed to know. And when you, you know, when you throw something, I believe when you throw something out like that at God, he's going to answer you. And I know that he will because he did. He led me to the place where I found truth. I didn't just stumble upon that. He took me there. What does the Bible say? They that do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled with righteousness, with His truth. Thy Word is truth. So where are we going to find out? In His Word. We're going to find it out in His Word. So i got a question for you concerning doctrines and you know false doctrines and all these. And that's what they were doing, really, in the Jews when it became Judaism. It was such a far thing from the original mosaic law it was really false doctrine so so after jesus died on the cross and we had the day of pentecost and they they were filled in the upper room with the holy ghost and three thousand were added to the church and the church started growing was there any false doctrine that started popping up 
almost immediately. Almost immediately. What was one of the main things that, that Paul was dealing with? Yeah, circumcision. The saved Jews had been Jews for so long and believed that circumcision was such a vital thing for so long, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Do you think it was hard for them to break away from that? It was a, it, and that, not, in, in, to justify, in a way, I guess, to justify them, that's what God told them was the covenant that, they, that made them a part of the covenant. They had to be circumcised in order to be a part of his covenant, right? Moses was, or, yeah, was it, Abraham was the first one, and then he circumcised his son. And it all, it, it went from there. Well, Jesus came along and said, I'm doing away with that. It's not circumcision of the flesh now. It's a circumcision of the heart. Right? And those Jews had a hard time with that. And, and what they started doing is they started telling the new Christians, the new converts and the Gentiles, oh, you've got to be circumcised. And Paul had to go deal with that. And so that was just one thing. You know, within a couple of years, I mean, there was all kinds of mess. And, and if you, not very few hundred years later, 325 A.D., now we're back to, now we're telling people that there's three. You know, I mean, it, it, it got corrupted that fast. Amen? And so that hasn't stopped till today. Amen. When this thing fired up again in 1901, you know, God started beginning to fill people with the Holy Ghost again and, and the great outpouring in Zusa Street and all those things in Topeka, Kansas. But even from then until now, the enemy is not satisfied saying, I give up. They just, they have the best doctrine. I just give up. I'm not going to fight it anymore. I just, these apostolics, I just can't stop them. And that's not what he did. No. He has still tried to corrupt this thing from that day till now. He has never stopped. And he will not stop. Amen? He will not stop until he makes you a trophy of hell. So how do you eliminate and alleviate that? You know, find your treasure in things above, not on things on the earth. Amen? Things above are right out of this book right here. You know? Some mornings I don't I read my word and then I just sit there and I don't pray I don't say a word. I don't ask God for anything. I tell him I love him and then I just sit there and I wait for him to say something. Cuz sometimes I sit there and I talk and I talk and I talk and and it's like the Lord says, "Can I get a word in edgewise?" <laughs> I might have something to say. We were kind of laughing about my gift of gab from my mother. <laughs> God made me that way, but he's trying to help me with that. And I want to hear from God, don't you? Amen. He's no respecter of persons, so there's no reason he wouldn't give you a revelation about something, Brother Terry, that he won't give me. He knows what you have need of. He knows what, what he needs you to hear to help you keep make, make it in this thing. Because there's going to be false teachers and false doctrines. What does the Bible say in the last days? There's going to be false prophets. There was false prophets over Israel. God loves them too. But they were the ones that Israel was listening to and not the prophets that God sent. And I've been reading a lot about that in, the old, in Jeremiah and some of those books where he was saying, you know, stop listening to the false prophets. It all sounds good, doesn't it? 
It all sounds comfortable, doesn't it? But this thing that we do, is it's for real. I don't want the fake. I want the authentic. And as far as I'm concerned, we are a part of what is the authentic way of living for God, this apostolic way that we live. I don't want anything less. I don't want to be that person that says, well, let's see what I can get away with and still make it. Amen? Amen. I don't even want to get close to that line. And once again, I'm going to go back. How do you do that? You stay in this word. You stay in this thing. Amen. And so Paul had to deal with the traditions of men. And we still, you know, I believe that we still have to deal with that today. We've got to stay on top of this. Amen? Can, is, there, is there a possibility that we could have, even in our, among our ranks as apostolics, traditions that don't really line up with the Word of God? Is that possible? Is it possible? Of course it is. God's no respecter of persons. If He allowed that among the Jews, if He allowed that among the religious people of Jesus' day, he's gonna, that's going to continue to happen because... You know, he's going to find out who's serious and who isn't. And we were just talking, Brother Terry said, hell hath increased her boundaries. God's making room in that place for a lot of people. I don't want to, I don't want to just make it in. I, I don't want to just make it in and say, well, I, I tried. Amen. We've got... You know, in this book, we've got everything that we need. Everything that we need. Amen. And I thank God for this man of God and men of God in my life that have been there and have planted things in my spirit that have imparted things to me that have helped me to continue this walk. And there's no hesitation when I get up every morning. There's no doubt in my mind that I believe this truth with everything that's in me. There's no doubt in my mind. Does that mean that the enemy is going to stop messing with me now because I've, done, I've got a made-up mind? <laughs> no. He wants to get me to turn from this. He'll do whatever he's got to do. Now, there's certain areas where he's just he knows it's just, you know, when sometimes when stuff comes up, I just say, I've been delivered of that. Go away. I just talk to him like that. Devil, just I've been delivered to that already. Just don't even go there. Amen. But he's going to try to find that chink in that armor. He's going to be like that deer hunter that's trying to get that 20-point buck that's been out there for so long and has 20 points because he's old and he's wise and he's been able to avoid the hunters. But sooner or later, somebody's going to trip that deer up. Somebody's going to catch him when he's not paying attention, and they're going to get him. Right? So we can't stop paying attention. We can't stop. Uh, we can't get, you know, sitting back on our lees, as the Bible says. We can't be just kind of sitting back on our laurels and just kind of riding it in. Amen. We can't just sit on our board and ride the wave in. We got to get up and we got to get, we got to be busy about our Father's business. We got to stay in this Word. And so we've got to know this gospel. And, and, some of that's in the lesson there. We've got to know this gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And there in the, 
under letter B, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you this, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein ye stand. He's, he's encouraging these people. By which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed it in vain. We've got to keep it in memory. We can't just hear the word of God preach and then walk out the door and forget what we just heard. We can't be like that man that looks at his face in the mirror and then, and then turns around and forgets manner, what manner of man he was. We can't do that. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't had to receive and, and take part in myself. Amen? This man that stands in this pulpit up here is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't himself participated in, right? So he's not expecting any more out of us than he has willing, been willing to put himself and submit himself to. Amen. And so there's no reason that, you know, he's the, he's the perfect example of how we should be living for God. As far as I'm concerned in this sanctuary, in this congregation, he's our example. Right? I, I'll never forget when we first got in church, Sister Parker, Brother Dennis, one service, he got Sister Dennis up there and stood her up and he stood up there and he said, Men... This is your example of living for God. Ladies, this is your example of living for God. If you need an example, if you don't know what I'm talking about, come talk to her. Boom. I mean, that was like a two-minute message. He didn't have to say another word. Amen. And so we have the examples before us. We have this great cloud of witnesses. We have these people that have gone through history and, and survived things that we have never even thought of. Anybody in here ever had rotten tomatoes or rotten eggs thrown at you? Or had your, or had your, your tent burned down because all you want to do is have church? We haven't gone through stuff like the pioneers of this, this movement did. Amen. So we, you know, we, we've got it good. But that doesn't mean, like I said, we don't, we don't sit back on our laurels. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The emphasis is on according to the Scriptures, if you notice. Amen. So we must have a clear understanding of how the gospel is applied to our life to avoid false doctrine. And not only us. But just like our pastor is over there discipling these leaders, there's going to be God's going to put some people in our life that we're going to have the opportunity to disciple. And discipling is is you with a, building a relationship, a friendship with somebody, a sister, a, a natural born sister, a friend at work, or something. Developing a relationship over coffee or whatever it is you do. And beginning to talk about the things of God and, and slowly and gingerly and gently leading them to that place. Amen? And so we we got to know that we know that we know this. we got to have the authentic because they know. It's amazing to me how many sinners know better than we do sometimes how we're supposed to live. And if we're not living right, they're looking at us going... I don't want nothing to do with that. I can go over to that church over there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, amen. Is this all right tonight? Amen.
And these, you know, this subject and all these things that we're talking about through the year, it's all about our godly character. Amen? And not, not our godly character necessarily before man, but before God. Amen? He's, the, he's going to be the one that's going to judge us. So, you know, what did, what did King David say when he, found, when he was found out? When Samuel came and said, Thou art the man. He said, In thee, in thee alone. Have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, O God? Forget man. I mean, he needed to to make some things right with man, but the first thing first was he had to get his soul right with God. And so each one of us even now stands before him, and he's, you know, we've, we've all been given talents. We've all been given an opportunity to have a godly character and build it up. Amen? To where we don't even have to... I was subbing today, and I honestly... Some of them people, and I just believe this. I believe when I walk in there, it's like a, an aura, like a light bulb. And I'm, because I have the Holy Ghost. So he's, it's like he's emanating from me. He, when we walk into a place, they don't know. It's like I heard one preacher say, it's like a ship. I'm trying to wind this thing up. Got a couple minutes. When a big vessel like a Navy ship pushes through the water, it's displacing water in front of it. So when you go to the back of the ship and you look and you see all that swirling going on, that's not from the propellers and the things turning around. That's that displaced water. has got to go somewhere. And it goes back to the back of the ship. And he was saying that what us having the Holy Ghost is like that vessel. When we walk into a room, the spirits and everything in that building know we're there. And I, some, to look on some of the faces of some of these people, they're looking at me as if... They don't know what they're looking at. It's almost weird sometimes. I just, I want to. Sometimes I want to say, "What are you looking at?" <laughs> Anybody ever experienced that? Besides me, they see something. They just don't know what it is. They they don't understand it. And I want that. How do you have that? You have a consistent walk, prayer life, and all those things. And and when you walk in a room, God's going to walk in there with you. Amen. And they're going to say things like, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different. That's your door. That's it right there. That's your door. That's your open door opportunity. Well, let me tell you about it. Boom. Testimony. You don't even need to know scripture. Just your testimony. Praise God. Let's all stand. Praise God. I hope this was all right tonight. I don't feel like I can hold a candle the way that our pastor teaches this, but I do my best. Father, we love you tonight. We praise you. We thank you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We, we give you glory and praise and honor. Thank you for your word, your spirit, your power, Lord. I pray you're covering over each one of these as they go from this place, that you would have your way in their life. Lead us and guide us. And